If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are dealing with your retirement funds and some of the questions and discussions you should be having about those retirement funds. Joining me today is Jay Wells. He is an advisor with Drive Wealth Advisors. And Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. And UACPA is the sponsor of our show, Money Making Sense. We're always glad to have Susan along. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Heather. Glad to be here. All right, Jay, I want to talk with you because I have had a few discussions with different advisors and every once in a while they'll throw out this term called retirement ratio. And I kind of think I know what they're talking about. Then they give me a different answer and we're not matching up and they don't understand what I'm saying and I don't understand what they're saying. So what is retirement ratios? So there, there is different interpretations of that. Most often advisors are referring to what, what you might call a retirement income ratio or re- replacement. And that is referring to the amount of income that you'll need in retirement as a percentage of your pre-retirement income. So for instance, you might say, I need 75% of the money I was making while I was working while I'm in retirement. That 75% would be the retirement ratio. That's often what they're referring to, but sometimes they can be referring to the amount of money that you can take from your retirement assets each year in retirement. So some advisors might say you can take 4% or some might say you can take 5%. So those are the two most common interpretations of retirement ratio. Okay, so let's go to the first one where you're my advisor here, Jay, okay, and I make $50,000 a year and I say, well... Since I won't be commuting to work anymore and I don't have to buy clothes or anything like that for my job, I only need 75% of that every year, which is about 35 ish thousand dollars. So we want to make sure that I have enough money in retirement that I can take out $35,000 a year. Is that what you're saying? That would be, yes, that would be what would be considered the retirement ratio. And it would be kind of a rule of thumb or a broad interpretation of that. Frankly, I'm not a big fan of it, and we can talk more about that, but everybody's situation is different. So to apply a rule of thumb to your retirement could be a little dangerous. Okay. So then what's the other one that sounds like you are more in favor of using that as a retirement ratio? Well, I am more in favor of of creating a financial plan rather than using a, a, a rule of thumb, but we can talk more about that. The other one is is the safe withdrawal rate, and that is also a rule of thumb that, again, can differ by everyone's situation. So I generally am not a big fan of using these broad interpretations or sweeping universal this is all that you need to know um, ratios. So the way I understand it is if I'm actually retired already and Jay, you say, okay, Heather, you can take 4% of your retirement fund every year out. So let's say I've saved up a million dollars, then I can take out $40,000 a year out of that million. Exactly. Yes. That's what most advisors refer to as a safe withdrawal ratio. You can pull that amount out each year without being overly concerned about running out of money. 
but if I'm depleting my million dollars by 40,000 every year, that only leaves me what, like 20 ish years. What if I live 30 or 35 years past retirement? That is, that's a valid point. And, and the idea is hopefully your million dollars is growing by more than 4% a year. So hopefully you're not pulling from the principal each year. You're spending ideally income or growth, but each year, as you know, the markets behave a little bit different. And, and so that's why a general rule of thumb of a certain percentage each year can sometimes get you in trouble. Okay. I want to bring Susan in here because you're the tax person. Let's say I actually go, oh yeah, we like retirement ratios, whether it's before retirement or I'm in retirement. How does this affect my taxes and how I treat those? Well, you have to think of a couple things. You have to look at the retirement vehicles those monies are in. So if you're pulling out of an IRA, let's say you've got a million dollars in your IRA and you're pulling out that 4%, so that 40000 know that that 40000 you're going to have to pay income tax on. Now, let's say that million dollars is in a Roth IRA. You do not have to pay tax on the withdrawal, that 40000 if you have a Roth IRA. So you need to understand how those retirement vehicles you have work, whether it's a retirement vehicle, whether it's just savings of, you know, maybe you have a million dollars that you've invested in the market over the years, you know, you may have to pay capital gains tax on any investments that you sell. So it's, it's imperative that you understand what the money looks like that you're pulling out and what kind of tax liability you may have. So this is all very complex, which is why I need an advisor to help me. <laughs> okay. So Jay, you talked about you don't really like the rule of thumb thing. So you may not advise me on a retirement ratio, either pre-retirement or post-retirement, because you like to do your own thing. So what is your own thing? Well, we like to develop a financial plan for the client that's specific to their individual situation. Just as Susan pointed out, one client with a million dollars in a traditional IRA is completely different than a client with a million dollars in a Roth IRA. So their plans and how they withdraw money is gonna be completely different. So we like to make that specific to the client, to their needs, their goals, everything like that, and then adjust as we go through retirement. Since we're already talking about traditional and Roth IRA, which is better? I mean, if, if I'm a 20-something-year-old and I'm just starting to put in for retirement, should I be all in on a traditional or all in on a Roth, and why? Great question. I get asked that all the time. In fact, I see articles, social media posts, advertising, or, or saying that one is always better than the other, and that's not the case. It goes back to your individual situation. For some individuals, the Roth is better. For others a pre-tax or traditional account is going to be better. It all depends on their tax situation now and where they think they might be in retirement that will determine which account is best for them. Susan, really quickly, do you want to explain the difference between the traditional and the Roth IRA as far as taxes are concerned? Yeah, so the traditional IRA, that is funded with pre-tax money. So let's say your gross paycheck is $1,000. You're going to put $100 into your traditional IRA. You're going to be taxed on the $900 for income tax purposes. When you go ahead and pull out those 
is from your Roth IRA, at that point in time, that is when that money will be taxed. A Roth IRA is post-tax money. So the $1,000 is going to be taxed, even though $100 is going into that Roth IRA. You have to look at the other side as well, though. That Roth IRA is going to grow over your working life. So any monies, when you start pulling money out of that Roth IRA, all the growth, the investment income, if you will, of that Roth, that will not be taxed to you. On the traditional IRA side, that growth will be taxed to you. If I am in the 25% tax rate right now, as I get raises and change jobs, I might go up a little bit 28 or 30% tax rate. But when I retire, that's what Jay, you were talking about, is you have to figure out what my tax rate is now versus when I retire, what do I think my tax rate is going to be? Because that's going to determine how many, how much taxes comes out if I withdraw from a traditional IRA. Yes, exactly. Uncle Sam is not letting you out of taxes. You have to pay your taxes, but you get to choose when you want to pay those. Do I want to pay them now or do I want to pay them in retirement? And you mentioned a 25% tax bracket. If I'm in a 25% tax bracket today, if I'm in a 25% tax bracket in retirement, it actually doesn't matter. You will end up with the exact same amount of money down to the penny, whether you do Roth or pre-tax. Most people are surprised to learn that, but you will be in a different tax bracket most likely. So you need to do some planning to try and decide if you'll be in a higher or lower bracket. That is a good place to take a break. So we'll be right back with Jay Wells. He is an advisor with Drive Wealth Advisors and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about retirement and the discussions you need to have before you get there. And if you're already in it, you may want to readjust some things. So joining me today is Susan Spears. She is the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs and also Jay Wells. He is an advisor with Drive Wealth Advisors. We're in inflation now and the last couple of days, there've been a lot of reports out that they don't think the inflation is going to come down much past 5% for a while. The government likes to keep it at two or 3% a year. So what are some of the things we need to think about now that we're in inflationary times with our retirement? Well, well, first off, I like to point out to clients that even though inflation has been in the news lately and we're hearing more about it and we're seeing the effects more, it's not something new. Um, in fact, I ask all of my clients, they're in retirement, what did you pay more for? Your first home or your last car? And in every single case, they laugh and chuckle. In fact, I've had several say, I could have bought two homes for the price of my last car. And so that demonstrates the effects of inflation over time. It's, it's nothing new. It's not going away. We're seeing it more now than we have in the past. And so we do have to make adjustments to um, our, our financial plans. But one of the best things you can do to fight inflation is to keep your money growing, at least at the pace of inflation, if not more. If inflation is at 5% right now, I think it's actually at 6 but let's just call it 5%. I should make sure I'm putting 5% of my income into retirement. Is that what you're saying? Well, or the money that you already have saved for retirement, ideally over the long term, 
that money is growing ahead of inflation um, so that your purchasing power is is not being eroded away by inflation. Doesn't a lot of that depend on the market? I mean, we had a year there where the market just tanked and everybody lost 10, 15%. Now it's coming back, but you want me to grow my money <laughs> at 5%. Is it really up to me? Great question. And I don't know if you caught it, but I used the words over time or over the long term, because there are years where it can be very, very challenging. We just went through one of those years where it most asset classes were negative and most down double digits, uh, as well as inflation increasing. So it was a challenging year. But over the long term, you should be able to keep your assets growing ahead of inflation if you're properly diversified, working with an advisor and keeping them invested. You're telling me not to be reactionary. You're telling me I have to just let the money sit there and not panic every time the stock market goes down. Yes, it's. I know it's easier said than done, um, <laughs> but but staying invested, staying the course, following your plan um, is, is your best course of action. Um, because when we create a financial plan, we know there's going to be periods where the market will fall. And we know there's periods where inflation is going to get out of hand. So we plan for those sorts of things and make sure our plan can withstand those challenges that we know will come. And they've come last year, and we know that they will happen again. You touched on this, Susan, in the first segment about capital gains taxes. So if I get over eager and go, the stock market's going up, I'm going to cash out now before we have another plunge, I may not actually wind up with as much money as I think because I have to pay taxes on the big gain I just got. Right. And depending upon how long you've held the money, you could be paying capital gains tax, which depending upon the income bracket you're in can be any, you know, 0% or 10%. That depends. Or if you've held it for a shorter period of time, you could end up paying ordinary income tax on that. Where's the cutoff between ordinary tax and capital gains tax? So if you've held it for less than a year, you're going to pay ordinary income tax on it which would be my tax bracket. Your tax bracket, yes. And keep in mind, those tax brackets change every year depending upon inflation. So I'm not going to give you those brackets because I don't want anyone thinking that this is cast in stone. <laughs> but again, this is why typically we say, and Jay certainly chimed in, I mean, I've seen research, article after article that indicates when we get into reactionary mode and start pulling money out because the market's tanking, we actually hurt ourselves more than if we stay the course, as hard as that is. And I will admit, for me, it's just as hard. And I'm in the money industry, if you will. It's kind of like I have to grit my teeth and like, okay, it's going to be okay. I'm working with my advisors. They do work these downs into their calculations as to where you should be. Yeah, and what Susan's referring to is timing the market. Mm -hmm. And and it gets it gets investors in trouble um, because they they emotion gets involved, they get fearful, they pull out, not realizing they then have to time when to get back in. So you have to be right twice. You have to get out at the right time and back in at the right time. If you miss one of those you will actually do more damage than if you just stayed the course. I have changed my thought processes on if I am going to buy extra stock. When the stock market falls and plunges, I consider that a sale. 
that stock just went on sale and I buy like crazy with whatever I can. I don't have unlimited income, obviously, but I will buy with any discretionary funds I have left. And then I just let it sit there. I don't sell when it goes up again. For me, it's just buy it on sale, keep it and let it just sit there. Great advice. Yes. And for those investors that are participating in their company 401k plans, they're contributing every payroll and they're able to buy in when those stocks are on sale. So that's a powerful tool to stay the course, not be afraid and stop contributing. Well, and also keep in mind, I mean, talking about 401ks, there's usually an employer map. So if you don't participate in that 401k or even that simple, you're missing the match. You're, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, a lot of companies, if they do match, they almost always match up to 3% at a minimum. And a lot of them will go up to 5%. So if I put in 5% of my paycheck, my company will match another 5% and help me grow. But that doesn't mean I have to only put in 5% of my paycheck. I can put in 10, 15, 20% of my paycheck and my company will still just match the five. Yeah, and I like to remind employees that are working for a company that doesn't match, in that scenario, if you put in five, the company puts in five, you're doubling your money right off the bat. So if, even if you're worried about investing, I jokingly tell them your money will never go down in value. Think of it as the company's money that fell. Because even if the market falls 50%, half that account value is the company money. And that's that's the company money that's falling in value. Don't worry about yours. I like that. I like that real thought. Okay, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, I do want to go a little bit more into the 401k issue with work. And is that the same as pensions? And we'll be right back with Jay Wells, an advisor with Drive Wealth Advisors, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about retirement, some things you may want to think about before you retire, plus what you need to do after retirement. Joining me today is Jay Wells. He is an advisor with Drive Wealth Advisors and also Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. I do want to talk about the differences between a 401k and a pension plan, or is there a difference? That's a great question. There's a big difference, actually. A pension plan is where your company takes on the liability for paying you through retirement. So if you work for the company for a certain amount of years and you retire, they will continue to give a percentage of what your paycheck would have been through retirement. So your retirement is a company that you worked for. A 401k is different. The liability or the responsibility is on you. Once you retire, the company stops giving you a paycheck, and then you need to use your 401k to provide for your income in retirement. Do companies provide one or the other, or do some of them do both? Pensions used to be very popular, and, and that's the way most companies went, and, and they realized that the liability there was more than they wanted to accept. And in the 80s, and then especially into the 90s, realized that a 401k was a way for companies to shift that liability and responsibility onto the employees. And now pensions are very, very rare. I have some clients that are retired that might still be living on a pension, but for employees in the workforce today, finding a company offering a pension is pretty unique. Most companies have switched to 401k. 
Susan, I know that because of the inflation that we've already talked about and people are struggling, I mean, even people who a year ago or a year and a half ago thought that they were doing fairly well, they might have been able to put a little bit of money into a retirement fund or save up for vacation. Now that discretionary money is gone and they're dipping into savings because groceries have gone up, gas has gone up. Maybe they have to buy a new car and the expenses on cars are just outrageous right now. So we've heard that some people are thinking about taking money out early from a 401k just to pay for their living expenses. Yes, in my office, we've seen a lot more articles on this, a lot more information, data coming through that, to your point, people are struggling. They're struggling to make ends meet. Housing continues to go up. Rent continues to go up. And you know, I thought Utah's the healthiest state in the nation, yet we're having these same struggles. You know, we're number five in the nation as well for credit card debt. So that's alarming to me as a numbers girl. So I've had a few emails. People say, you know, I can't put food on my table, but I've got this retirement plan or IRA. Can I withdraw from that? Yeah, the answer is yes, but... There's a price to pay for that. If you're under age 59 and a half and you withdraw out of your 401k, not only will you pay state and local income tax on that, but you're going to pay a 10% penalty on the withdrawal as well. Now, there are hardship waivers and whatever, but you will pay income tax on that money. So it's, it's kind of like a one-two punch. I have suggested, I have let out to people who have, emailed into us or as we've done other interviews talk i mean there's 211 here in the state of utah where if you're needing food or you know there's food pantries we're seeing food pantry usage up way up here in the state and i think that's true across the nation there's housing help i mean there are agencies within your state that you can reach out to to get that help that you need um, i would use pulling out of retirement as a last resort you know, just because I know you need the money now, but you're also potentially hurting your future if there's another alternative. I, I would rather direct people to say, you know what, what are what are some other avenues we can go down before we have to touch our retirement accounts? Jay, have you run into clients that maybe just felt like they didn't have any other choice and did withdraw money from a retirement account. And now let's say we're 10 years ahead and now they are retiring. What has happened to that fund? Yes, I've had those situations and it's, it's not pretty. People don't realize that taking a small amount of money out today costs quite a bit of money and lost opportunity cost and growth down the road. And so it can um, impact their retirement. So a couple things that I recommend for, for employees or investors um, to prevent this is um, there are two situations in which I tell people don't participate in your company 401k. I love 401ks and I tell everyone to participate, especially if there's a company match, unless they have excessive debt or do not have emergency savings. So that when they get into these situations where maybe life is more expensive or an unexpected bill comes, they can go to their savings rather than going to their 401k or IRA. 
Use that money to build up your savings. To give Susan's example previously, if I was going to donate $100 out of every one of my paychecks to my 401k or an IRA, instead of doing that, put the $100 into the savings account. Exactly. Or to possibly pay down that excessive debt. Either one. Get on a good foundation financially before uh, saving for retirement. Saving for retirement is important. And we want to get there, but we need to do it in the right order. Can I pause my withdrawals for a while? I mean, what if I've been doing all this, but inflation has hit, and now I'm really struggling where I wasn't before? Can I pause all those contributions so that I can take that extra money out and use it? Absolutely. You can stop or change your contributions within reason whenever you would like to. A lot of employees think that their 401k might be like health insurance, where they can only make changes during open enrollment or once a year. And that is not the case. Um, they can make changes as often as need be and stop those contributions, get into a better place, and then start those contributions up down the road again. Well, that is good to know. So let's say we've made it past all that or I'm in retirement right now. How do I start withdrawing my money and when do I do it? What we do for our clients is we just set up a paycheck out of their retirement account. And whether it's once a month, twice a month, they uh, get an electronic payment from their retirement account into their bank account. And it's it's pretty simple, and it, it gets them through retirement. If you have a traditional IRA that you did not pay taxes on before it went into that account, the government wants its money. And so I know that there's a time when the government is like, excuse me, you need to start paying us back, which means I have to pull the money out. So when does that happen? So that's what's called a required minimum distribution, or RMD, and it is true. They want their money, and so at currently it's age 72 is when that RMD starts. They just uh, made some changes where that age will be pushed out to age 75 over the next several years, and that could change again before you get there, and it's a small percentage, usually starts in the mid-threes, and they'll make you pull a certain amount out. That will be taxed. One thing to keep in mind is that RMD percentage increases each year. So the amount you need to pull out of those qualified uh, accounts, like an IRA or a 401k, can increase quite a bit over time. When you say it starts in the mid threes, what does that mean? About three to four percent um, is the amount you need to pull out of your IRA or 401k. So if I had a million dollars in my retirement funds, I have to pull out each year a minimum of $30,000-ish. Roughly, yes. And then that amount will increase each year through retirement. I have some clients that are needing to pull 6 7 or 8% per year. And so again, back to the financial plan, we have to plan for that, knowing that that's going to come each year. And the government or the IRS is not worried if the market's down and your investments fall in value they still require you to take that amount out. And so it's something you need to be planning for. What if I haven't retired at 72? Again, the, the IRS does not care. Um, they, <laughs> they require, they want their taxes. And so um, they, they, they require you to pull that money out. So I could still be working. I'm 72 right now or 75 a few years from now. And I still have to pull out my minimum amount. The rules get a little complicated. It depends. If, if you have an IRA, that is generally the case. If you have a 401k and are still working, generally you do not need to take that money out if you're still employed at the company where your 401k is at. 
unless you're an owner of the company. The, the rules can be complicated. Okay. Susan, any words from you on that one? You know, start putting away for retirement as soon as you can. I mean, we have kids in high school now. I mean, you can start putting away into IRAs and whatnot now. That money, you have time on your side. Let time work for you. And there may be, there may come a time when, let's say you're in high school, you're putting away in your IRA, but then life happens. You get married, start a family. I mean, you know, we go through all these different life changes. You may need to shut that down for a minute to build up your savings. This is where financial advisors come in because there's kind of a hierarchy as to what our financial lives need to look like to, to be healthy. And they're going to be roadblocks along the way. But the younger you are, start saving as soon as you can. You have time on your side. There's nothing more sad or frustrating to see than somebody in their 50s walk into an office and say, oh, I'm going to retire in about 10 or 15 years. How much do I need to put away per year? That's, that's almost undoable in today's environment. Yeah, that's a little scary. Jay, any last words that you want to make sure people understand? Yeah, I would just encourage everyone to put together a, a financial plan, whether it's simple, whether it's complex, do something. Um, I oftentimes ask people getting started um, or even close to retirement how much time they spent preparing for their last vacation. And oftentimes they spend months in advance. They spend hours and hours planning where they're going to stay, their airfare, their hotel, rental car. Put a lot into planning for a one-week vacation. Uh, well, retirements could be a 30-year vacation. And oftentimes people put less time in planning their retirement than they did their last vacation. Don't let that happen. Put the time in. I know sometimes it can be uncomfortable planning for the future, but it's important and it's never too early to get started. Thank you so much, Jay Wells. You are an advisor with Drive Wealth Advisors and Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs, which is also the sponsor of Money Making Sense. And we always appreciate that you come on and guide us through some of these money issues. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.